This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Thursday the 29th of July 2021. And of course, yesterday, Norman, we were speculating about what the next few weeks for New South Wales could look like. And of course, yesterday, later yesterday, we found out that Greater Sydney is going to be an extended lockdown for another four weeks and with particularly tough restrictions in in eight local government areas. So four weeks, I mean, hopefully it's enough, but it, the way it's tracking, I don't know if it feels like it's going to be enough. I've been talking to um, a few epidemiologists and I can't find any who believe that the measures in New South Wales are enough to bend the curve. What they're doing is chasing their tails. So they've seen spread into another three local government areas, Parramatta, George's River, Campbelltown, and that's where they've extended the, the, particularly the restriction on workers to. But that's after the event rather than being ahead of it. And really the belief amongst uh, the epidemiologists I'm talking to is that it should be citywide, should be the whole of Greater Sydney with the same level of lockdown. The other problem that they've got is that there are different rules in different areas which are really quite hard to understand. Some places, everybody's got to be tested before they go to work. In other suburbs, uh, only some workers need to be tested every three days. I mean, surveillance will help a lot, which is regular testing. Probably made a lot easier if they do rapid antigen testing on a daily basis. They've allowed the construction industry to go back in the not outside the eight local government areas. They could probably allow, the, allow it to go back in the eight local government areas if they had rapid antigen testing and really strict rules around that. It's just um, a confusing set of different rules rather than one rule for the whole city, which is what you get in other states where they say you know, there's only X number of reasons for going out. This is the way it is. Sorry, it's got to be all of you, but that's the way it's got to be. And it's still a 10-kilometer ra- radius. Um, you know, they're sort of leaving it to people to say, well, please don't go beyond 10 kilometers to do your shopping when um, it should be five kilometers or less just to keep the travel restricted. Um, so all in all, um, the epidemiologists I speak to say we're not going to be that much different at the end of four weeks. Okay, so we've got surveillance, like you say, there are lockdown areas in the places that we know now are the hot spots, um, and but as you say, maybe that's that's chasing what's happened before and not being proactive. There's also been uh, financial assistance announced for people who are in lockdown. Yeah, and that's really good. So the, one of the barriers to compliance is that people don't have money and they've got to work and they've got they've got to casualise labour and they've got to leave home to actually go to work. And to pay people to stay at home is the humane and right thing to do, and that's a that's a really good. Uh, that's a really good thing to have done. And that should improve compliance. Right. So we've got all of these things happening. Are you saying that if they just had a tougher lockdown citywide, that that would be the final thing that might get it under control in four weeks? We've been saying it on Coronacast now for a long time now, which is that the only thing that works when when your contact tracing is failing is social distancing. That is the only thing that works. And we're not socially... If we were socially distancing enough we would actually have seen the curve bending down because we've got really good contact tracing. But contact tracing is almost certainly being overwhelmed at the moment. And um, the numbers just either stay the same or keep on going up on a, st- on a steady basis. So we're on a precipice, which the contact tracing might keep us from, but uh, and we might be in exactly the same position in a, in a month's time, in which case 
what the Premier says is absolutely right. If we hadn't had contact tracing and lockdown to the extent we have, we'd have had a major outbreak, major pandemic with thousands of cases. That's true. But we have to be part of Australia. We have to lift the borders sometimes. We have to get back to work. And we're not going to get back to work if we're still got one or 200 cases a day and 40, 50 people being out in the community spreading. And that's we're going to be no different for the pain of the lockdown. For all that, you know, you can make the argument that you don't want to inconvenience literally millions and millions of people who probably aren't going to come into contact with the virus. You know, there's 5 million people and there's however many hundreds of people with the virus at the moment. But the messaging that that you have to be slicing and dicing when there's certain areas that are in harder lockdowns and others, it gets really confusing, which is part of the problem, isn't it? So it's not only confusing. Imagine you're living in one of those areas and the LGA next to you you can go out and about and you think, I don't understand this. There's not really a good barrier. There's just a, a main road between us and that, that LGA. And people are not stupid. They say, well, look around and say, well, why am I doing this and not them? It's only a main road between us. There's got to be a border somewhere, though. The ha- well, does there? there? There might need to be a border around Greater Sydney. And, you know, Greater Sydney does end. Um, you do go into National Park and green areas. And you are going into the Blue Mountains. You are going down to Wollongong. So there are, there are borders, and the outer borders are much lower risk than the inner borders. So when you get down to Wollongong, you are sort of petering out a bit down that way. But you've just got to uh, lock down the whole city, according to the epidemiologists we're speaking to. Uh, the other thing that we've said that we didn't have a year ago that we do have now is vaccines. And we keep hearing people being urged to get vaccinated if they're eligible. Uh, but there was, a, there was a mood a week or so ago that there was going to be this push to get first doses into people's arms. That doesn't seem to be getting pushed anymore. No, that was announced a few days ago by the Chief Health Officer and and at a press conference two days ago, the Premier seemed to walk that back. So I don't think they're doing that anymore. And again, most vaccine experts you talk to say that that's exactly what New South Wales should be doing, which is what the Chief Health Officer announced, which is a first-door strategy. Just get the doses out there, maximum numbers, get first doses into people, because you're not going to get second doses into people unless you get the first doses in, and get the, you know, and you will get some protection. So the more first doses you get in, you will reduce transmission by a bit, and, um, and you've just got to balance off the numbers of people who are getting first doses with a bit of reduced transmission versus the numbers who are getting second doses with much more. But those are lower numbers. So it's, it is a numbers game. And in population health, you want to shift the whole curve as much as you can rather than small groups in the population. It's shifting that whole curve to um, a, a higher level of vaccination is, the, is standard public health. It's public health 101. Has anyone done the modelling on what a difference getting a lot of our first dose vaccinations out there would do in this kind of acute phase? Not so much modelling, but there's experience from Canada and elsewhere, um, which shows that you do start to get an effect. There's also the experience of Singapore with the Delta strain, which is in terms of the impact of COVID-19 is that dramatic impact of full vaccination, considerable impact on severe disease from partial vaccination, and really the, the bulk of deaths, ICU admissions, hospital admissions is in the unvaccinated group. So in terms of the impact, the impact is really dramatic. In terms of transmission, nobody's too sure and there's confusing um, information coming out about transmission. 
CDC in uh, the United States yesterday suggested that the amount of virus being produced by vaccinated people is no different from unvaccinated people. But that contradicts evidence from other parts of the world. The balance of evidence seems to be, certainly there was good data from the alpha strain, but the evidence does seem to be that you get reduced transmission uh, when you're fully vaccinated. Just staying with vaccines and supply, there was a, a weird little moment in the Queensland press conference yesterday where uh, the health minister mentioned that there was going to be reduced supply of Pfizer in Queensland, but didn't really explain why. No, it's, despite the fact that we're supposed to have complete transparency on vaccine supply, Brad Hazard, the minister in New South Wales, has said on more than one occasion he's got no idea how many doses the Commonwealth is holding back. And now you've got a reduced supply and not quite sure why when a lot of publicity was given to the increased supply over the next few weeks to over a million a week. So why Queensland gets fewer doses is unclear and whether it's a pattern across other states. So it's just a lack of transparency in terms of the vaccine distribution. And then the other thing in Queensland is yet another hotel quarantine leak. And I mean, Queensland isn't alone in having escapes from hotel quarantine, but this is the eighth breach since the end of June. Yes, one of the um, unpaid data analysts, Anthony McCarley, who does some great work along with Juliet O'Brien and D.B. Raven, has analysed this. And um, all I can say is that Queensland must be very glad about the New South Wales outbreak because they don't get too much publicity for their ongoing hotel breaches. That's a very cynical view, Norman. Why they're getting that is uh, unclear. Well, it just sort of shows how vulnerable our borders are, that, that there could be a new outbreak kicking off at any time. Yeah, and one hotel breach in Queensland caused the shut lockdown of the Northern Territory. There is significance there. One infection to a medical registrar, a PA, many weeks ago, caused the shutdown of the Byron Bay Blues Festival, which had an impact on northern New South Wales. This virus just finds the tiniest crack in the system and spreads through it, through the air. Even in places that aren't in lockdown, we're living in a really delicate balance. We are. So that's all we've got time for for today's CoronaCast, but... Yeah, tomorrow we've got uh, a surprise for you, which is um, an early peek at some modelling on vaccination and when we might be able to get out of all this. So that's tomorrow. Good news around the corner for once. We'll catch you then. See you tomorrow. <laughs> 